from the Carter Subaru Studios. This is Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome to Cairo Nights. I am your host, Jake Scorheim. I got to tell you guys, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the buzz is. I am very excited to be here. I woke up this morning with like just excitement and joy. I got joy, joy, joy in my heart. I really do feel like that. I woke up this morning and I was thinking, what is this feeling I'm having? I got a great life. I understand. I got a wonderful wife. I love my wife. I love my kids. I got three great boys. I got one on the way. It's going to be a crazy house around my house. But you know what's super fun? I get to come in here every day and I get to hang out with you guys. And truly, it's a blast. I love it. It's so much fun. We just get to like, look at how crazy the world gets, but then we get to just laugh at it all together. And that's very cathartic for me. I hope it's cathartic for you, and I hope you feel like there's other sane people out there in the world. Because every time I come in here and I get the text messages from you guys, or we get the emails or the social media stuff or whatever, it kind of makes you feel like, all right, there's some common sense out there. Because the world looks kind of crazy, especially in the news. I don't know why. It's like they just know that people are going to pay attention. And it is a business, after all, the news. So it's fun to do this show. And then we can all just laugh at it. I love it. So I'm thinking maybe we should just skip tomorrow, which is Saturday, skip Sunday. Let's just work through the weekend. What if we did a show seven days a week? Does that sound good to you guys? What do you think? How about new? All right, fine. Let's just do tonight's show. Let's get to tonight. Let's see how it goes. Then we can think about tomorrow and Sunday, but probably not. I actually now I think about, I got stuff to do on the weekend. So do you. So let's just get to it and let's have a fun show tonight. Let's take a break for Saturday and Sunday, and then we'll come back Monday and we'll start the whole week over again. All right, let's jump in. First off, trivia. Every single night, I play a little clip, no context, it's from a movie, you have to guess. Hit me up on the text line, 888-973-5476. You can guess there, and if you get it right, we'll try to let you know. We get a ton of text messages though now. Like When I first started the show, Wasteland, like (laughs) Ghost World or whatever it is, Ghost, Ghost Town, and now we're packed. You guys are coming in droves to take guesses at movie trivia. That's like that's that's what you guys want to talk about, actually. So, all right, so here's the movie trivia. Uh, you can guess, and then you might get it right, but I will tell you what the answer to the trivia question is, where it comes from at the start of next hour in the News Roundup. So you're going to have to tune in for that. That's my little tease. That's my little enticement to get you to listen to more than one hour of the show. And here it is. Good luck. This one's short and sweet, but it's super easy, I think. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. All right, that's it. That's your guess. All right, now let's get to it. I saw this story a couple a couple of days ago. We talked about this with Kate Stone. She came in here. Uh, our local government here, Jay Inslee, and uh, there's a new bill out to try to ban natural gas from going into any new homes in the next couple of years. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, all right, any gas company who serves over 500,000 people, and there's only one or two in the state of Washington that serve that many people, but it's big ones. It's like PSE. And then there's another one that somebody texted me, but I forget the name of it. Um, they were they are saying that PSE will not be able to offer uh, natural gas to any of their customers if this bill is signed into law. And what they're trying to do is this is a government mandate by Jay Inslee to try to make natural gas go away because they say it's much better for the environment to have all electric. Now, I think this is absurd for a lot of reasons. One, that we can all agree with, it really sucks when your power goes out. And if you're only running on power, like a lot of houses do, 
then you're just sitting there in the cold, shivering, you're under blankets, maybe you're calling family members who might have power, and you're just desperately trying to like use those last two bars on your phone of power before it goes out to try to figure out a place to get your family warm, to get some hot food. That doesn't happen if it's all electric in your house, which seems crazy that they would want to take away natural gas. I think it's a great thing. I have natural gas in my house. I have a fireplace that runs on it, and my stove runs on it. So I can cook breakfast. I feel like a superhero. Every time the power goes out, I'm just like, it's not going to affect our eggs in the morning. We're still going to get some scrambled eggs cooking. I'm going to fry up some bacon. Yeah, maybe the lights aren't working, but I can still sit by the fire and keep my family warm. That's what I want. I want the power to be able to take care of my family. And I also want the power to make decisions for my own life. I don't want the somebody stepping in and saying, you're not allowed to have this just because we are setting a climate mandate for years down the road, which a lot of people are arguing is unattainable and impossible to get. What they're saying is, if it's all electric, one, our grid doesn't support that. It's too power. It's it's just like too many people will be on the grid. So we'd have more of these rolling blackouts. But also what they're saying is in these situations, you have these heat pumps, which are running the, you know, the, they run the heater in the, in the house. They also, in the winter, in the summertime, they can cool your house, which are great. So heat pumps are great at times. The problem with heat pumps is when the, when the power, I'm sorry, when the temperatures have drastic swings between hot and cold, they tend to be less efficient and they can also just go out and they can stop working. And so for folks who are now having to rely on these for their heat, if they lose power, again, you're just sitting in the cold house. You're just an ice cube. Seinfeld actually captured this perfectly. You guys might remember this. This is highlighting the the absurdity of government stepping in and trying to mandate things into your life. There was a really hilarious episode it's back in the 90s of Seinfeld, in case you haven't watched the show, where in New York, they're mandated to use low-flow showerheads. And so Jerry and Kramer and Newman, who all live in the same building, they have these low-flow showerheads, and their hair just looks ridiculous. I have it's a vision, you know. We're obviously we're an audio medium, so you can't see the visual of this. But in case you haven't seen this episode, Jerry's hair just looks hilarious, and it's like just down his face. I mean, it just looks like there's no there's no body, no bounce to it at all. Kramer, who has famously like high hair. Also looks ridiculous because it's just like lying on his head like a wet rug. And it's very funny. This was on Seinfeld. Jerry. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> you too, huh? Yeah. These showers are horrible. There's no pressure. I can't get the shampoo out of my head. Me either. If I don't have a good shower, I am not myself. I feel weak and ineffectual. I'm not Kramer. You? What about me? I got the Tonight Show tonight. I'm going to have to shower in the dressing room. Where are you going? Well, I got to find another shower. (laughs) They got you too? This is awful. I'm not Newman. (laughs) I'm not Newman. This is awful. I, it's pretty funny. I, I just, I wish that they would, instead of just mandating these things, I wish that they would, uh, I wish that they would trust that people are going to try to behave responsibly. Everyone agrees that they want to do what's best for nature and the climate. We all want to do the best thing, but we want to do it in an appropriate way that people can afford to do it. If you just take away natural gas, one, you're killing a pretty big industry in our state. And two, you're going to put a lot of people out of jobs when you kill that industry. And three, I don't like a cold house in the middle of a, a, a blackout. 
I don't want a cold house. I still want to be able to have a fire. I still want to be able to cook my breakfast. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. All right, let's move on. Enough of my complaining. All right, this was kind of interesting. Are you guys aware of the allegations against Georgia DA Fonnie Willis? She is the Fulton County District Attorney. She's prosecuting Donald Trump for this election interference case in Georgia. And it was kind of going along swimmingly for her. There's, uh, you know, it's 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 going along. And then there are all the, all of a sudden there's these allegations that she's been having this relationship, an inappropriate relationship with one of her underlings, a fellow prosecutor who she hired. And if they turn out to be true, if these allegations turn out to be true, this is a big no-no. It could actually be a really bad thing for her case against Donald Trump. The View were talking about this today, and I think they made some actually pretty good points. Charges of election interference in Georgia are one of the many legal battles Trump is fighting right now. But his attorneys are calling for the case to be dismissed in Georgia and for Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis to be disqualified amid allegations of an inappropriate relationship with one of her three prosecutors. Here's what she said about it recently. First thing they say, oh, she's going to play the race card now. But no, God, isn't it them who's playing the race card? when they only question one. Uh Isn't it them playing the race card when they constantly think, I need someone from some other jurisdiction in some other state to tell me how to do a job I've been doing almost 30 years. So could these allegations compromise the case against him? Is stepping down the best move here? Why does Trump keep saying she should resign? Well, I think the issue is that there is an appearance of impropriety if you are sleeping as the district attorney, if you are, allegedly. She doesn't admit to that. She's not admitting to that. If you are sleeping with your special counsel that you appointed to a job and that person makes money doing that, right? So that, that, that's a problem. If you are uh, sleeping with a prosecutor and paying him $650,000, if, if, okay, allegedly. if, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, green, purple, brown, it is wrong. Yes. And it is uh, unethical and I think it's against the rules of professional regulation of the uh, legal, and, and it does conduct. affect uh, the case. It definitely affects the case. Trump's team is trying to use this as a way to get the case thrown out. I don't think that's going to happen, but certainly they're going to try to get Fonnie Willis disqualified or they hope that she you know, has to step aside. They will probably then have to put in another prosecutor. If they do that, then the case against him would stretch well beyond uh, the election next year. And then you're talking about a guy who may or may not be the president of the United States at that point. So very interesting to see how this plays out. All right, let's move on. The next story, I mean, it's weird to jump from a story about election interference in Georgia to this one, which is like kind of like Tonight Show fodder. Do you guys know who Kurt Russell is? He is, of course you know who Kurt Russell is. He's a fantastic actor. He is an American, uh, I would call him an American treasure myself. I love Kurt Russell. And he has two kids. Um, he's got Kate, and he's got a bunch of kids actually, not just two, but he's got a couple of kids. He's got uh, two of his kids, though, through his wife, Goldie Hawn, are his uh, stepson, Kate H- uh, not Kate Hudson, Oliver Hudson, who's an actor, and his stepdaughter, Kate Hudson. And the cool thing about these guys is they really seem to love their dad, Kurt Russell. And they were talking about him on Jimmy Fallon. And they were talking about Kurt Russell isn't just an interesting guy to watch on screen. He's also an interesting guy in his real life. He just has lived a crazy life. And they say he actually has had some run-ins with some killers in his real life. And just like bizarre stories they were telling about Kurt Russell. I thought it was really fun. So I thought I'd bring it to you. Enjoy. Everybody always talks about my mom. Like I feel like a lot of times it's like, 
you know, that becomes a topic of conversation. But sure. Kurt is just such an interesting man. Yeah. Like, oh, there's yeah. just so much. There's so many things people don't know about Like Kurt. what? What is something that we don't know about Kurt? Oh, oh God. I mean, there's a million, there's a, there's always some, he always finds himself in some sort of scenario. Like, okay. He's always, I, he's always, he, he's always crossing paths somehow with uh, killers, like serial killers. <laughs> you know, actually, uh, 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 he was on camera when OJ Simpson drove into his oh, yeah. house. Tell, tell this is actually a crazy, this is actually what? a great story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy moly, well, okay. Kinda, I, I, he was in the driveway. Like You could see him on like KTLA, like, mm, that's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is he doing he there? He was talking to like Shapiro. Uh, yeah. We, we, were, we, were at, we were at a friend's house. We were at a friend's house watching the NBA Finals, who lived right down the street from O.J. Simpson at the time. And it was the big chase, yeah. you know? And Kurt, he was on... OJ was on the 405, and Kurt all of a sudden just went. He knew. Oh, he's going home. He's going home. And he uh, just, he I was just, like, like, oh, he's going home. He's next going thing home. you know, he gets in the car and he leaves, and he goes to OJ's house. I don't know why. <laughs> just to see it all Just to see, just to all see what happened, you know. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> and we're all like, where are you going? He's like, I'll be right back. And then he goes with his friend and, and literally we're watching the news because we were watching the NBA finals. It was interrupted. Yeah, I remember and, that. And yeah. we saw our dad like on television, right. like behind the caution tape. Like it was so, we're like. <laughs> oh, but, it, but, it, but it, doesn't, it doesn't stop there. So he had a run in with Ted Bundy. What? Oh, yeah. He beat up. Uh, Wait a minute. He beat up Te uh, Tex Watson, who was Ch uh, Charlie Manson's right hand guy. So the Ted Bundy thing. He yeah. beat up I Charlie Manson's I friend. I might not yeah. believe either of these stories. Well, but... it, there's grains of salt all over the place. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. But, but I'm into but it. The They're story with the Ted Bundy Ted Bundy escaped from Pickin County Jail, which was in Colorado. He's living there at the time. This is, this is actually a crazy <laughs> this story. This is a crazy story. Kurt was camping. He had his plate of food, went to go get a beer or something, comes back, and his plate of food is gone. Ted Bundy then gets caught and recounts sort of how he survived after escaping and said he found, you know, a, a, a guy camping in the woods with his friends. With his he leaves food. the thing, and he go grabs and eats his food. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, not that only is he a murderer, thief. he's a thief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Um, okay, I want to tell you guys a little story. This is a kind of a confession that I'm going to put out there to you guys. But I really feel like one of the great things about doing the show is that you guys are really, I, I get to share my true self with you. And one of the things that I, and then you guys share your true selves with me too. I really appreciate it. It's a give and take relationship. But you're getting full on Jake here. Uh, this is an embarrassing part about myself. I am one of the most gullible people you will ever meet. If you tell me something and you say it's true, I say, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's true. Uh, not not in everything. Like, I don't believe anybody in the news, and I don't believe anybody in politics. But if I meet you face-to-face -face and you tell me something, I'm going to tend to believe you. Because I just, I'm, gonna, I'm going to assume, why would you lie to me? And so when I was a kid, this was a real problem. You could, like, tell me anything when I was a kid. Like, my friends would get me to do ridiculous things because they would tell me, oh, yeah, you're supposed to do this and that. And then I would do it because I was so gullible. My parents would be like, Jake, what are you doing? All right, so back when I was growing up, I was probably, I was in high school at the time, uh, like young in high school, but my friends and I were all driving around, and we were up, uh, I grew up up north in Snohomish, and so uh, there, it, right next to Snohomish is Monroe. Shout out to Monroe. I love Monroe. Monroe's growing, by the way. It's pretty crazy. And it's Snohomish growing. My goodness. Those towns have just exploded. Picture Monroe, late 90s, 
early 2000s and I'm driving around with uh, my friends. I think it was I think it was my friend Gary. I don't know if it was him, but I think it was my friend Gary. So we're driving around and he points up to this like big house. There's like this main stretch of road that goes into Monroe. It's Highway 2 that goes into Monroe from um, Snohomish. And we're driving back towards where we grew up. And he points to this big house and he goes, hey, have you ever seen that house up there? And I said, no. Uh, I said, he goes, you know whose house that is? I said, no, whose? And I'm, I'm all interested now. And he goes, that's uh, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell's house. And I'm like, what? From the movies? Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell? And he goes, yep, that's their house. And I was like, whoa. And it just like, I, something in my head just didn't quite add up. And I was like, what? You know, but Monroe, like, <laughs> why would Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell have a house in Monroe? And he goes, he goes, I don't know. It's just like an out of the way place. And they got really sick of being in Hollywood. So, uh, and I knew that Kurt Russell was like an outdoorsy kind of guy. And, uh, you know, I had grown up watching him on Overboard and all those kinds of movies. So I knew that he's like kind of a man's man. And Monroe is very much like a like an outdoorsy type of place. And so it made sense to me. And it's beautiful. Lots of woods, lots of hunting and fishing and stuff. So I said, all right. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. That could be Goldie Hawn and uh, Kurt Russell's house. And so for years after this one conversation with my friend Gary, thanks a lot, Gary, I would go around telling people that whoever would listen as I drove by, like, oh, you see that house up there? That's Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell's house. And of course they would go, well, that's ridiculous. Of course that's not Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell's house in Monroe. Why would they live in Monroe? Like right above, uh, right, right above the Seven Eleven, heading outside of Monroe. And I think, and now, and now a Jack in the Box as well. I, th- I think that that house is actually a giant. It's, it looks like a church or something. I don't know. I, I never, I never actually went back there to investigate and like tried to figure out like, oh, why is there a giant mansion-looking thing that actually kind of looks like it could be a church. Uh, back there, I never drove up there just to see because I'm sure there's signage. I don't know whose house it is or what it is. It, it's a big, big building. And but in my head, all growing up, that was Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell's house. And I told my wife that at some point. She goes, "That's ridiculous. Of course, it's not Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell's house." Anyway, so that's a little insight into how my brain works. I hope you guys don't mind. It's embarrassing, but let's move on. Let's move on. We have a ton of stuff coming up on the show tonight. In fact, too much to get to in the opening segment. So, Matt, tell them what we got coming up. It's going to be a great show tonight with Mike Lefko from 710 Seattle Sports joining us to talk who's the next Seahawks head coach and so much more. Steve Coogan will be here to talk about the top stories that you've been clicking on this week at MyNorthwest.com. Plus, we'll read one of the most ridiculous signs ever posted. And, of course, we've got the news roundup. That's all coming your way on Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I have a very special guest on. It is Friday, and every time it's Friday, we get to have... Score time with Scoreheim. Yes. It's so why I do it. Up. I do, too. It's why you do yeah, it. I drove in today. I was coming in an extra pass. I'm like, it's score time. Let's score go. Scoreheim. That, of course, is the voice of Mike Lefko, 710 Seattle Sports. Welcome back to the show. Mike. Yeah, always fun. Always fun. Thanks, All right, Jake. so we actually have a lot to talk about today. Last time we talked... There's this round robin, like round table of who's going to end up being the Seahawks coach. There's all these guys who are on the market and people are talking about, people are very excited. I think we were talking about Ben Johnson last Mm -hmm. time, which is very cool. But there is also all these coaching jobs that are open. So all these guys are shuffling around. Who's going to fit into what slot? So give me an update. Where are we at with the coaching? Well, nothing has changed for the Seahawks. Excellent. But (laughs) every other job 
has been filled, except for the Washington Commanders. So now, after all these openings, there were eight, although the Patriots, they had their guy the whole time. So technically, there were like seven openings. Now they're down to two. I would say, though, this feels like a good thing for the Seahawks because all these hirings, maybe if you wanted Raheem Morris, who was the Rams defensive coordinator, he did not interview today because he took the Falcons job. He was supposed to interview today with the Seahawks. Oh, was he, he really? took the Falcons job, yeah. So outside of that, out of all these names they've brought in, Every single person is still available. It's the Seahawks, it feels like they're going to have their pick. Like whoever they want, they should be able to get. So everybody they interviewed didn't end up taking another job somewhere else. Except Raheem Morris. Except yeah. for Morris, mm-hmm. who didn't actually end up interviewing. He interviewed once, and then he was supposed to come in for an in-person second interview today gotcha. on this Friday. Took the job yesterday with the Falcons, so obviously yeah. he's like, yeah, I'm not coming to Seattle anymore. So was uh, and then we saw that Jim Harbaugh went and he filled the spot that because all the talk about Pete Carroll that maybe he was going to be the Chargers head coach yeah and then Jim Harbaugh jumps in and you know I guess cements that they will just be rivals for all time mm-hmm. um, that was kind of exciting for Jim Harbaugh yeah I don't think I don't think Pete Carroll is ever actually going to be a candidate for that job like maybe he wanted to because yeah you can go to L A again and be back there and it's an enviable job but that's why Jim Harbaugh ended up there because he has a track record of working with quarterbacks out of all these jobs that are on the market the Chargers have the best quarterback in Justin Herbert so that was seen especially for an offensive mind that's like a as a premier job, job out yeah. there yeah so uh, it felt like the whole time it was kind of Harbaugh penciled in and earmarked for the Chargers do the Chargers share that SoFi Stadium with the Rams yeah they actually actually have to pay rent to the Rams. So oh, they, they are really? uh, they are not an owner of that building. They're a tenant in that building uh, that's owned by the Rams. So someday, are there hopes that the Chargers would get their own stadium? No, I don't think so. I think they just, they're fine with that because it's, it's, you a, know, it's, it's a palatial, it's like like, brand new. Yeah. yeah. So, and this happens, it's not common, but you know, the Jets and the Giants share a stadium. So yeah, one team maybe feels like the little brother, but uh, the Chargers, I believe are building, or they have like a state-of-the-art practice facility. Okay. And that's really more important because if you think about it, totally true. Yeah. 95% of your time, even though we build up stadiums, how important they are, they're not in the 95% stadium. of your time is going to be at the team's facility. Yeah. You're playing eight home games a year, sometimes nine, and that's it. That's the only time you go to the stadium. So it's, it's strange to say, Hey, we don't own our own stadium, but it's not the biggest deal. They're saving a ton of money. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Unless the Rams right. raise the rent. So let's talk about uh, Pete Carroll really fast. Yeah. So there was that talk that the rumor mill was spinning that maybe he might go and coach for the Chargers, and obviously that's not happening now. Is he going to coach somewhere this year, do you think? I don't think so because we're down to only two head coaching jobs, and one of them's the Seahawks. So yeah. that'd be a little awkward if uh, he would end up here again. Obviously he won't. Uh, I think what's going to happen now that his son is the offensive coordinator at the University of Washington, probably just going to kind of stay around and – be an informal advisor to, hey, if John Schneider wants to pick his brain more, if the C- if the Huskies want to pick his brain, you know, if Jed Fish needs uh, some advice, if his son uh, wants him to pop in. So I think Pete Carroll will, will be around the area and just maybe uh, in that consulting advisory role. The, that weird, advi- like, like cryptic thing they told him. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's advisors. You know, any consultant or advisor, you never know what they do, but Call they get Carroll. paid well. Yeah, yeah, they do get paid very well. Uh, so Bill Belichick, did he end up getting that job? Is he co- Is he? He's not a coach either no, this year. No, he has. As, and, you know, public sentiment has changed on that, too, because it seemed like he was the favorite for the Falcons. And now there's this big backswell of, well, you know, maybe he's out of touch. If he had two interviews and they didn't like him, they hired someone else. It feels oh, like no, based he's got, like, on the stink on him. Now. Yeah. Based on recent history of him struggling after Tom Brady left and the fact that he is older, uh, there's now the perception that, hey, he doesn't really know how to relate to current players today. So even though he's the greatest coach ever and he won all these Super Bowls, in today's climate, you know, looking forward, 
how you build a competitive team. Sure. Belichick doesn't seem like the guy. So it would it would really be a situation for him where he's just looking to get a few more wins. Then he's yes. the winningest coach of all time. He doesn't want to end on a four four and thirteen record. Well, it's a, yeah, it's I a think bomber of a, a lot of that is leading into it too. People are maybe thinking, hey, what's his true motivation? Yeah, does he just want to coach for a season or two and then that's it? Uh, is it going to be tough? Like we're going to have to replace him again in a year? Yes. So. So his, why not just pull the band yeah, now and let's do the hard work of finding a coach? His who's directive young. and focus may be different than a long-term plan for a, an NFL franchise. Yeah, but but that's to be expected. He's seventy-two years yeah. old or near seventy-two years yeah. old, and all these other guys we're talking about—they're in their thirties, like they're young guys. Yes, like a mm-hmm. lot of young guys. All right, so that leaves who's who's still left for the Seahawks? Then I mean, anyone every, they want, anyone they want. Do you think the Seahawks' job is like? How, so there's two teams left that are still looking for a head coach, yeah. and who is that? It's the Seahawks and the Washington Commanders. Washington Commanders. Yeah. So it's both two Washington teams. Yeah, yeah. Who's the, who's the more desirable job? Like, uh, so this is what's interesting. I think by all metrics, except maybe an important one, if you want our guy Ben Johnson, it would be the Seahawks. But the Commanders bringing in a guy with an offensive mind, they have the number two overall pick in the draft in a very rich quarterback-heavy draft. Yeah. So kind of the scuttlebutt out there is that Ben Johnson perhaps would love the idea of getting to go into Washington, the commanders, pick a quarterback he wants, and then coach that guy up because he had a lot of success with Jared Goff and the Lions. So that would be the selling point. It kind of feels like he's getting fast-tracked to Washington. Sure. So then if you have that filling the commander's job, then it comes down to, okay, Maybe it's Dan Quinn who has come in for a second interview or who everyone really wants in Mike McDonald. Now, all of a sudden, the hottest name on the market, right? Everyone is raving about Mike McDonald. The only opening, the only option left to be the Seahawks. So you can draw a pretty nice comparison there of, yeah. well, if everyone wants him, there's only one job left. He could end up here. So is it looking like Ben Johnson is leaning towards uh, going to D.C.? Well, that's what us talking heads say. Or, you know, yeah, people yeah. in the know. NFL insiders, that's what they say. Now, nothing can happen until the Lions are out of the playoffs. Same thing with the Ravens. Nothing can happen. But the good news is, if you do want one of these guys, if you're a Seahawks fan who wants either Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald, the you're fact that they haven't... Yeah, the fact that they haven't made a coaching hire yet leads you to believe, well, they're waiting on one of those two guys. Yeah. And they'll get one of those two guys. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to text my friend, my buddy, who's, yeah. his, who's Ben Johnson's brother. I'm going to ask him, because he was giving me up the updates when... Ben was interviewing with oh, the Seahawks, and he's like, nice. he's, he's talking to him today, and I'm just like, whoa, this Why is crazy. Why didn't he swing by the studios? I know, I should. Yeah. Well, he lives in New York. Um, so No, Ben Johnson. He oh, should have swung, swung by, by the yeah. studios, yeah. yeah. But I think he had to yeah. be somewhere. I guess he was in the playoffs or something. Um, so we have Ben Johnson. Is is DC a better market? Like, is the Commanders a better market? Is it, it's bigger, right, than, than Seattle? Uh, market, I don't think, would matter necessarily. It's just, like, literally what you can work with job-wise. And the offense and the ability to have your quarterback in there because he's an offensive mind. Yeah, so yeah. maybe that's why. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, last thing, Penix Jr. in the draft. Mm. Where do you think he's going to go? That's uh, one of the most debated topics because if you have medical concerns, which some teams do, and they will just not draft a guy, they'll wipe him off their board, or maybe they'll really wait till the end. He could fall to a mid-round, or he could be someone that goes in the back half of the first round. So you're going to hear so much over the next few weeks and months about workouts and medicals, and it's just it's called lying season for a reason because people are trying to put out wrong information because maybe they do love a guy. They don't want to let you know that. So uh, it's going to be a convoluted, fun process until we get to the end of April. There's a lot of quarterbacks this year in the draft, so that's that's not a good thing for him. No. Yeah. All right, well, it's very exciting. Mike Lefko, 710 Seattle Sports. Thanks for coming on, man. Always fun. All right, have a great weekend, buddy. And we will be right back here on Kyra Nights.
You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I'm not sure you guys saw this, but I thought this was just such a funny story. You guys know who the actor Tom Holland is. Of course you do. If you have kids or if you're a vaguely young person. Tom Holland is a massive superstar in the world of Marvel. He stars as Spider-Man, and of course, he has been in all the Avengers movies, and he is Tony Stark's young protege in the movies. He's just, he's everywhere. He's very, very good. He's actually really, really good in the role, and the Spider-Man movies are really good because I really think that the Spider-Man movies are geared more towards a more appropriately comic book age audience. I mean, I know they make a lot of these comic book movies, and they try to make them apply to everyone, and they try to make them serve an older audience, but the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies really do feel like they are targeted at a younger teen audience, or maybe even younger than younger teen audience, like 11, 12-year-old, specifically boys, and I have three sons, and my sons love the Spider-Man movies, no surprise, so Tom Holland is a big hit in my house, but there's another guy whose name is Tom Hollander, D-E-R, Tom Hollander. It's very close to Tom Holland, but it's Tom Hollander, who is also an actor. Now, my kids have no idea who Tom Hollander is, and why would they? Because he's an English actor. Tom Holland himself, the Spider-Man guy, he's also an English actor, but he's young and a superstar. This other guy is more of a character actor, and he's been in a bunch of big stuff, don't get me wrong. He was just in the latest season of White Lotus, which is a great show, and he's been in Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice. He's been on the BBC, a ton of stuff on the BBC. He was the bad guy in one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies about 10, 15 years ago, and he's a really great actor, and he's also in his like 50s. Maybe he's like almost 60 years old or something, but he is, uh, he's really, really good. But he's not Tom Holland. And he has this really funny story that he told the other night on uh, uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers. And he was talking about how he has been mistaken for Tom Holland before. Not in looks and not in the movies, but by their accountants. Because they both were at the same agency. Represented both of them for the same time at the same time uh, for a brief period of time. And he details a hilarious story about one time when they reached out to him and said, Hey, we've got your check. Like a big check for starring in The Avengers. Because they thought they were talking to Tom Holland, but they were actually talking to Tom Hollander. And here's that story. I have to ask you, uh, I feel like it's almost the elephant in the room. Uh, there's an actor named Tom Holland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Does that ever, do people ever um, make that error? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's been very difficult. Because, <laughs> you know, I was here first. Yeah. Um, but, uh, He's, he's enormously famous. So I, I uh, it might, it obviously I don't actually get mistaken for him, but, but in, in non-visual uh, context, I am mistaken for him all the time. So like people in the accounts department of my agency got confused and we were with the same agency, um, briefly. And, uh, <laughs> And it was, it was a terrible moment. I, I went to see my friend who was doing theatre in England and, uh, and for 300 pounds a week, you know, and, uh, but doing great work, Chekhov. And I sat smugly in the audience having just done a BBC show for 30 grand or something, which was, you know, going to get me through the next year or so. And I was thinking, well, this is marvellous. I'm very prosperous. But my good friend, Peter, is doing this great play and I'm going to go afterwards and see him and slightly patronise him and say what, how wonderful it was. 
And, uh, and then the interval came, and I thought I'd check my emails, and I got an email from the agency saying, um, payment advice slip, your um, first box office bonus for the Avengers. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I thought... <laughs> I don't think I'm in the Avengers. <laughs> and it was, um, it was an astonishing amount of money. And it was, it was not his salary. It was, it was his first box office bonus. <laughs> not the whole box office, the first one. And it was more money than I've ever... It was, it was a seven-figure sum. Yeah. And they he had was, to send it in two, me, two emails. He was, he, was, <laughs> he was 20 or something. So my feeling of smugness that you remember I had in the first half disappeared. <laughs> Very quickly, but that's showbiz. It's uh, <laughs> it's up, it's down, it's hero, it's zero. You're always yeah. one email away from having yeah, your whole life turned upside loser. down. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's so funny. His delivery when he says that they're at the same agency, we were at the same agency briefly. I mean, it's so funny. I think that's just a hilarious story. I appreciate it very much. The English delivery, the dryness of the English humor just kills me every single time. I can't get enough of it. But anyway, if you get a chance, watch some of those Tom Holland Spider-Man movies and also watch some Tom Hollander BBC movies. They're also very, very good. You'll enjoy them, I promise you. All right, we have a lot more coming up on the show. And do me a favor. If you have not downloaded the podcast yet, please do. I promise you're going to get a lot of great entertainment. You're going to get hours and hours of free entertainment that you're just going to love in crystal clear, high-definition audio delivered to your phone every single day, five days a week. And guess what the price is? Nothing. For free. All you have to do is mash down the follow button, and then you're going to have hours and hours of endlessly wonderful entertainment. It's just going to be such a treat for you. I just know it. So download it. You're going to love it. All right, we got a lot more coming up on the show, so stick around. We're going to be right back here on Kyra Nights. <laughs> 